sassy Little bit crazy, little bit classy We got dreams and we got goals We're just a couple of old sassholes And we're doing it, are we? live. Hi! Hi! Hello! 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 I guess you should speak like that. I, Governor? Yeah. Um, hi, everyone. Welcome to A Couple of Sassholes Podcast. I'm Brooklyn Maple. And I am Heather Terry. And this is our Power Hour of True Crime Awesomeness, where we tell you about fucked up shit from fucked up people for no fucking reason. There is a reason for uh, the season. Not always. Yeah. Not, not for always. the murder season. Just no. a reason that we tell people. This is intriguing. I don't. I didn't get that. <laughs> I did not. Heather said something, and I did not pick up what she put down. And it could be because I'm going on like very little sleep. And today was one of those days that I bent her over and I showed her who's boss. And so I'm fucking tired. I know. We're both going on like two hours a piece. <laughs> yeah. Witching hour has been legit. Yeah. yeah. Maple Manor in Terrytown. Yeah. I had. Have you seen that movie uh, Smile? That scary uh, movie? No, I don't think I have. Okay, I watched it and I ate dinner really late last night, which I don't do. Hashtag this is 38. And I had a terrible nightmare that I was in. I got the curse from the movie. Did you? Do so, you have chapstick on you? Because I'll literally have a panic attack on I, this podcast. I, if I do I don't not. Have not on my person. Oh, I found it in my other pocket. <laughs> That's good. Everything's fine. Crisis averted. <laughs> so you ate late. So I ate, ate late. And then whenever I do that, because I'm a... Meemaw. That's not a Meemaw thing. That's an actual scientific event that happens from anyone at any age. FYI. Okay, okay good. Thank you for That's not an old people thing. It's just a, that up. It's a thing that happens. <laughs> well, it happens. And I felt like I had the curse in my dream. I woke up sweating. And then right when I fell back asleep, Will rolled over on Trixie. And Trixie started barking and tried to bite me because when I moved, it was a thing. It sounds like a thing. Yeah, it was. I haven't been able to sleep for days. I'm going. I'm going on day seven yeah. of very little sleep, and then the sleep that I've had has been interrupted. So, Mama's got a plan tonight. It's called a melatonin tea, yeah? if you will. You're gonna I'm going to have it, melatonin, twelve milligrams, the the biggest donkey kick I got That's of melatonin, like and a sleepy time tea. Yeah, that's what I'm doing tonight. Man, don't throw your rock star lifestyle up in Sister, my face. It's Listen. hard for me not to brag. <laughs> it's a little braggy. It's when, coming off a little braggy. When things are braggy. You, you know, know why? Because you had a birthday and a vacation. We didn't even mention did. your birthday on the podcast and you brought mine up in like July. So I'm a bad friend. Not really. I don't. Whatever. It was, <laughs> it's a day. You know, what it I was mean? a great day. Another day, another dollar. <laughs> that's all I got to say. I mean, birthdays are great. I love um, feeling special. I have Heather in my life, so that means you always feel special. Aww. And that that's that's what it was. I got some texts from, from some friends, which was nice. Yeah. All people who I forgot to text on their birthday, so I really just felt like shit. <laughs> it is what it is. I just That's always a problem for me. If I don't think something's a big deal, it's so hard to then live life for other people acting like it's a big deal. I don't think that much of birthdays. You know what I mean? Like I, you do a great job though for me. I and do traps. what I got to do. You yeah. do, and my parents. And I mean, parents, I try yeah. to make like I, I make attempts to make people feel special, but I'm also like, you do. Really I don't really job. care ab- about it on my day, if you will. Yeah, but, but in my world, now I'm in your life, so now yeah. we do, and they are serious business. They are. Speaking of serious business, we are. Full of serious business. Are you today. are you ready to rage? Because here's this. I got my story on deck. Yours is pretty meaty. Mine is. Mine's a loaded baked potato. Don't get me wrong. Mine is a full Thanksgiving turkey. But yours is. Are you? It's, a turducken. Yeah, it is it's because a turducken. I have I've never had one. Yes. Um, <laughs> and th- it doesn't work. A turducken. I'll tell you all the reasons why it doesn't work. It doesn't work because you're talking about three different types of fowl. That do not have the same structural integrity of meat muscle. Oh. And so you're trying to cook a cheeseburger up inside of a steak wrapped in bacon. I they don't e- need to be cooked that way at that temperature <laughs> for that length of time. That is how I feel about turduckins. Have them separate. Treat them like the sweet babies that they are. And treat them gingerly and tenderly inside that oven or fryer or however the fuck you want to cook them. 
Now I want a cheeseburger and a steak. Anyway. Yeah, I don't know. Just any. I derailed so bad on turducken, but I'm I sure wanted to see the how holidays long, are going to be coming up. So. I wanted to see how long I could get you to banter. <laughs> we were talking before. She's I like, didn't want to nope, banter. We're all business. because I got. And then I she's got a, got a meaty story, story and I was like, I want to see how many times I can hold a squirrel up in front of her and she'll chase it. Well, go fuck yourself. That's what I have to say today. No, because you guys, I have 20 pages. And, right. no, okay, number one, if you're at home and you make a banging turducken, I'm proud of you. It's a hard <laughs> thing to do to make that many different types of meats cooked perfectly together at the same temps. And I want to try it. I've never had one. So if you're good they're at not, it. They're not, they're not that impressive. I don't well, want, if I don't someone know. has an impressive one. There could be, yeah. If you have an impressive one, hit us up. Sounds Let like it, we're, We'll come over to your house and we'll taste yeah. your turducken. Does it, that sounded dirty. Everything. Why? <laughs> we're talking about a meat and we're, anyway. Okay. I'm going to ignore Heather. I'm not making eye contact with her anymore. Fine. And the rest of the podcast is me staring directly into the microphone like a ding-along. Like, like a sing-along, ding-along dingus. Look at, li- listen. Now she's looking at me and she, I'm just staring. Okay. So I'm going to start with my story because it's exciting only because it's one of the infamous like fucking five people ever. And so dun, dun, dun. I'm going to talk about Jack the Ripper. <gasps> Yay. Or J-Rip. So I'm going to probably reference him because J- I'm ridiculous and I, I am who the fuck I am. Love that. So... Let's talk about where I got the information from. Uh, Wikipedia, jacktheripper.org, casebook.org slash ripper letters. What do you remember of, of J-Rip? Hardly shit, to be honest with you. Well. It was one of the OGs that I learned about, and then I kind of put it out of my mind because of all the other 4,982 million bazillion stories. Yeah. Sent. So it's hard to keep up whenever we're talking about the shoe fetish guy that kind of all those women's shoes off and so you know what i mean like yeah. there's a lot of stuff that's happened yes so. this is also a lot happened here it was the introduction to it, what he wasn't the first serial killer but maybe he was indeed the first serial killer who was made public by media mm-hmm. and so we're gonna just fucking dive into it the fact that he is still unidentified it doesn't matter because this was in 1888 motherfucker wow. be dead but they never found out who he was. Um, he was active in in and around the impoverished Whitechapel district in London, England, as I mentioned, 1888. It really runs to like 1891. This Whitechapel district is basically the slums in the east end of London, which I'm assuming it's, I don't, I don't know, like it went by a lot of different names. There's a lot of different reasons for it. I think a lot of it is just a lot of stupid people and a lot of ignorant facts and a lot of people just talking shit. Yeah. So some people called him the Whitechapel murder and leather apron. And we'll talk about it. Leather apron. So Jack the Ripper's murders had a theme to them, as many of them do. He intended to attack women who were prostitutes. That is the appropriate, as Heather was always like, thank you. I'm like, nope, that is the appropriate word for the time frame for the we time were discussing. Period, yeah. They were prostitutes and he would slit their throats. Whoa. Afterwards, he would cut up their midsections and remove some of their organs, or at least he did this to three of the victims. Of course, this led to the speculation that maybe the killer had some type of surgical knowledge. But I, I, my assumption on that originally was, was it because he was precise with it? Because to me, removing an organ seems like it wouldn't be hard. Like, I'm pretty sure you just cut it open and it's like a whole bunch of globs of meat in a punch bowl. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, ew. <laughs> but yeah, like that... You unless they were like it had like pristine cuts and, and it, wasn't it was that. only the left kidney. I'm sure That's it was probably willy nilly. Here's a that. Yeah, we started off hard and fast. Oh, I, I am. Forgot, I'm not playing. I forgot this whole story. There's a hell of a lot more than me just saying he cut some he cut some throats and then he just dabbled in their midsections. But okay. I'm just gonna dive into it a little bit more. But. I also remember, so I remembered a ton of this. There wasn't anything that I didn't remember, so I'm kind of proud of myself for that. A little pat on the fucking back. <laughs> but I was intrigued that whenever I looked at it, it seemed like the original assumption was like, oh, it's a surgeon, it's a doctor. I'm like, bitch, or it's a butcher or a hunter or anyone who knows how to play with a fucking knife. Yeah. I don't, I got to remember, it's 1888, and there's not all that much going on there. Right. It's not like I would be considered a seamstress if I took a knife and cut open a pillow and took the stuffing out. Yeah. I don't. It's not like they'd be like, I bet she made couches. 
I sit on them. That's all I got. <laughs> Did I even have? No, I'm kidding. Um, rumors that the murders were connected intensified essentially in September and October of 1888. Numerous letters were received by media outlets, and we're going to talk about that okay. um, in the Scotland Yard from ind- individuals who were acting like they were the murderer. So what's weird is there were four specific letters that came through that they fully believe was J-Rip. Okay. Now, I have those letters. I found those from the case files, and I'll read those to Ooh. you and the dates of whenever they came through. But other people also sent them in. And I'm like, who? There, There's ones that they literally have it listed in, like, the case documents. And mm-hmm. they're like, no one thought this one was real. No one thought this one was real. This one wasn't real. So in, in total, there's probably, like, seven or eight that are, like, in the file. But essentially, only four of them are what they think really happened. Mm-hmm. It's kind of the same with how many people were actually killed by him. And we'll talk about that too. But the name Jack the Ripper originated in the in the Dear Boss letter, which ends up being like the first one from J-Rip claiming that he was the murderer and that was disseminated to the press. The letters widely believed to have been a hoax and may have been written by journalists to heighten interest in the story. There's interesting facts. I'm going to try to like blaze over them whenever I get to them because now I want to like word vomit it out. But in 18, in the year 1800, there was, I think that was the first year in London that there was a requirement for you to go to school, which meant by 1888, there were more literate people than there ever were in London, Mm -hmm. which meant that more newspapers were being read, which meant meant that the height of this hysteria became larger. So essentially, it was the perfect storm, and it was the first sensationalized serial killer in the world. That's wild. And then people still talk about it. We talk about it this many years later, too. Yeah. It's nuts. I agree. Mm -hmm. So extensive newspaper coverage made all of this the rage, and the legend of Jack the Ripper truly solidified a police investigation into a series of 11 Brutal murders had happened in that area during that time frame of 1888 to 1891, but they were unable to connect all of the um, killings conclusively to the to Jack the Ripper. Five victims: Marianne Nichols, Annie Chapman, Elizabeth Stride, Catherine Edows, Edows, and Mary Jane Kelly are known as the canonical. I fucking look this up. Canonical can fucking a look at this. I looked it up trying to show I knew how to say it. Whoa. Right? It looks like canonical. Canonical. Yeah, five. <laughs> and they call them that in everything. And all that word fucking means is um, like in order. Like five. Like stupid fucking stupid shit. They just charged it up for no reason. Yeah, and they threw a really hard word in there. Just so 200 years later, we would be like, what does this say? <laughs> I don't. Canonical. <laughs> I think that's the word. Canonical. I bet. The canonical five. That's how it looks. Yeah. And their murders between August 31st and November 9th. Think of how short of a time frame yeah, that is. Yeah, that's what I was just thinking. Yes. Okay. I know. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> um, those are the ones that are most likely to be linked. So those first five murders within essentially, what, two months of each other? Yeah. In a very small district in London? Yeah. Woo. 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 There's so much. That's a lot. So let's let's shimmy in there. Let's talk about it. So in the mid-19th century, England had a huge fucking burst of people coming in. So there were Irish immigrants who came in huge populations of the major cities, including the East End of London, where all of this essentially went down. From 1882, there were Jewish refugees that were fleeing the Russian Empire and other areas of Eastern Europe had also moved there as well. Mm -hmm. The parish of Whitechapel in East End became increasingly overcrowded, with the population increasing to approximately 80,000 inhabitants. Whoa. And this is probably, like, not that big of an area. This is, like... 80,000 people off, like, on Fredica Street. That's, uh, yeah. No bullshit. On a street. It has to. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And we'll talk about it, too, because it's a real fucked up living situation that was going on. And because of these murders, it actually changed the fucking whole area. It's it's intriguing. Let me tell you more. (laughs) Okay. So so we're here. Yeah. (laughs) So work and housing conditions, they had worsened because all of these people were in there and it basically made this huge um, slum, Mm -hmm. just a huge slum. Listen to this. 55% of children born in the East End died before they were five years old. 55? 55% of children who were born there died before they turned five. Robbery, violence, and alcohol dependency were commonplace. And basically, if you were a woman and you needed to eat or find shelter, you were were prostituting to do it. Yeah. 
Damn. Yes. In October of 88, London's Metropolitan Police Service estimated that there were 62 brothels and 1,200 women working as prostitutes in Whitechapel with approximately 8,500 people residing in the 233 common lodging houses within that Whitechapel district every night with the nightly price for a coffin bed size of just like like a coffin. Just your bod was four pence, which is four cents, roughly. I could not fucking figure out. We're going to talk about pences. Fuck me with a pence. It's way harder. It's easier when you're like, what's the, what's the, to convert inflation of a U.S. dollar's cake, the second you try to do it with pences and shit and our inflation rates changing and the currencies flip-flopping, fuck it, guys. I don't know. I don't have those numbers for you. We know there was a solid attempt made in research. Oh, I got real annoyed. Math and facts. <laughs> Literally. I wake up in the morning, the first thing I think when my feet hit the floor is like, give people the math and facts. <laughs> so speaking of math and facts, you could also sleep on... <laughs> Okay, lost heaven. Okay, I'm back, I'm back. Okay, sorry. Okay, so this one's crazy. So you could also sleep, imagine a church pew, right? Oh, like a church yeah. bench. I remember you that could pay from yesteryear. To sit on there and they would put a rope across from you to keep you from falling over while you're sleeping. Oh. Yeah. That was two cents a night. Damn. So you get a rope. But I read that that two cents for us now, or back then in 1888, would be like $320 now. The fuck? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Huh. I don't know if that's right. Once more, I told you the math and facts may not be math and, and they might not be facting. Well, that. we're just going to assume that you're right this whole time. Yes. How about that? Well, on top of all of that, so you got a whole bunch of poor people, a whole bunch of immigrants, and no money, no food, and really shitty sleeping and environments. no work besides wiener work, I guess. Yeah. Um, there were a lot of social tensions, too. So between 86 and 89, there were huge, like, police interventions for demonstrations. There was public unrest. There was Bloody Sunday in 1887. There was anti-Semitism. There was crime. There was racism, social disturbance. So much fucked up shit was going on. Yeah. And it was a really immoral area, too. So Bloody Sunday, just as a reference, it was an event that took place in London, England on the 13th of November in 87 when a crowd of marchers protesting about unemployment and the Irish Coercion Acts, as well as demanding the release of someone, MP William O'Brien, clashed with the police department and freaking 75 people were badly injured and 400 were arrested. Whoa. So... This also created issues at some point whenever they try to figure out who Jack the Ripper is. They're like, well, let's be racist about it, too. Yeah, that's let's blame I, the Jews. That's what I was going to say. There's probably a lot of corruption and bad thing considering the time frame. Yes. And the area and all that. Usually, you know, the poverty sections, are, they were just put over to the side. Yeah. You're just surviving. Mm-hmm. There's no other option. Yeah. You're waking up to survive that day and going to sleep to survive that day. That's yep. all you got. In a church pew with a rope. Exactly. That's insane. I agree. Yeah. I already have back issues. I already don't <laughs> want to be in a church for you. <laughs> <laughs> Touche. So there's a huge like history lesson in all of this, like yeah. as we kind of move through it. And sadly, because women were attacked and murdered on the streets at that time in that area so frequently, it was really hard to tell how many were licked. I have licked. There were what? <laughs> tell how many were licked or linked. To Jack the Ripper. Well, considering what you said the job was around there, I'm pretty sure a right? lot of them were licked, Becky. You? I'm pretty sure. <laughs> I don't know if they were licking anything back then. I think it was very shove it in the hole type of situation. You think? Everything's dirty, and it's been touched by other people. Okay. I, I, yeah. Pretty sure you're just dipping it in. Oh, that's back when they had to wear the, the thing, the wigs. What are those called? Muffs. The vag wig. No, it's no. got a word. Gherkin? I don't think they, no, that's a pickle. No one, Merkin. No one was wearing anything special no, no, when no. they were that prostitutes was, with zero dollars. That was to hide I know, the oh, syphilis. Okay. Yeah, I was telling everyone else. Ugh. <laughs> Ugh. Yeah, a gherkin is a pickle and a merkin is a uh, vag wig. Always good to know. Yes, historical facts. So as we talk about it, most of the experts point to the fact that like. Jack the Ripper's victims had deep slash wounds to their th- wounds to their throat, followed by extensive abdominal and genital area mutilations, Ooh. the removal of internal organs and progressive facial mutilations 
as the distinctive features that gave him his modus operandi. The first two cases of the files were Emma Elizabeth Smith and Martha Martha Tambrum, but they're not included in the five. So there's two women with some things that make you think maybe. Yeah. But we're going to dive into the ones that, or actually, I'm going to dive into those first two. My apologies. So we have Emma Elizabeth Smith. Um, She was robbed and sexually assaulted on Osborne Street in Whitechapel at approximately 1.30 in the morning on April 3rd of 88. Um, She had been bludgeoned about the face and received a cut to her ear. A blunt object was also inserted into her. I didn't tell you guys this. Uh, Trigger warning. Sorry for just now saying it. I feel like our whole podcast is a trigger. You're right, but this one's going to get real is, bad. Yeah, I can feel it because um, I don't remember the story at all now that the more you it's talk. It's one thing when terrible things happen in this day and age, but whenever it was back there when everything was pretty deplorable and uh, like things were just real nasty and yeah. real, real just fucked up. Sounds like it. A blunt object was inserted into her vagina, which ruptured her per- peritoneum. She developed peritonitis. And she died, sadly, the following day in the London hospital. She stated that she had been attacked by two or three men, one of whom she described was a teenager. The attack was linked to the later murders by the press, but most authors say that hers was gang violence. Wow. So these were the ones that did happen before that they're like, we think maybe it happened. But she was able to talk. And I can't imagine a teenager is just over here doing that shit either. That, I mean. Just gang violence on the street. Who knows? Yeah, sounds, we don't know any. Yeah. By the way, no one knows fucking anything. Yeah, all of this shit is bullshit. There's one thing I found out about Jack the Ripper because of the time frame. Nobody knows. Nobody fucking knows. And not <laughs> does nobody know. The media literally like because the cops wouldn't tell them stuff. They just made shit up. They just say things just yeah. to get people to buy papers. Yep. Yeah. And they there's no one policing it. No. <laughs> no one policing it. Yeah. It's so, like fucking Trump in front of a mic, you know? <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Martha uh, Tabram, she was murdered on a staircase landing in George Yard Chapel on August 7th of 88. She had suffered 39 stab wounds to her throat, lungs, heart, liver, spleen, stomach, and abdomen with additional knife wounds inflicted to her breasts and vagina. Damn. All but one of her knife wounds had been inflicted with a blade, a bladed instrument such as a pen knife. And uh, with one possible exception, all the wounds had been inflicted by a right-handed individual. She had not been raped. The savagery of that murder, the lack of an obvious motive, and the closeness of the location and the date to the later Ripper murders is why police linked this murder to those later that are committed by Jack the Ripper. However, this murder differs from the later murders because although Tabram had been repeatedly stabbed, she had not suffered any slash wounds to her throat or her abdomen. Many experts didn't connect that murder with the later murders because of that kind of lack of of the pattern there. Here's the list again, okay? Okay. We'll start off with Marianne Nichols. Rest in peace, all you sweet baby angels. The body of Mary Ann Nichols was discover- discovered at about 3.40 a.m. on Friday, August 31st of 88. I'm going to stop saying 88 because all of it was right there pretty much. In Bucks Row, which is now Durward Street, Whitechapel, Nichols had last been seen alive approximately one hour before the discovery of her body by Miss Emily Holland, with whom she had previously shared a bed at a common lodging house in Thrall Street, Spitafields, walking in the direction of Whitechapel Road. Her throat was severed by two deep cuts, one of which completely severed all the tissue down to her vertebrae. Oh, my God. Her vagina had been stabbed twice, and the lower part of her abdomen was partially ripped open by a deep, jagged wound, causing her bowels to come out. This, oh, my God. Okay. Several other incisions inflicted to both sides of her abdomen had also been caused by the same knife. Each of these wounds had been inflicted in a downward thrusting manner, implies she was laying down. One week later, on Saturday the 8th in September, the body of Annie Chapman was discovered at approximately 6 a.m. near the steps to the doorway of the backyard of 29 Hanbury Street in Spitalfields. I'm saying all of that wrong. Spitalfields? Spittle is spitting. Yeah. So spitting fields. (laughs) Um, As in the case of Nichols, the throat was severed by two deep cuts. Her abdomen had been cut entirely open with a section of the flesh from her stomach being placed upon her left shoulder and another section of skin and flesh, plus her small intestines being removed and placed above her right shoulder. What the? 
Her autopsy also revealed that her uterus and sections of her bladder and vagina had been removed. What are you saying? I don't know. That poor girl. I know. I'm not, I don't want to say a luckily, but in almost all of these cases, the assumption is that they were already, like, he cut their throats and they died. I would hope so. Out. I mean, at the end of the day, even if your throat is cut, we've all seen movies, it takes a minute. Ugh. At the inquest into um, her murder, Elizabeth Long described having seen Chapman standing outside 29 Hanbury Street at 530 in the morning in the company of a dark haired man wearing a brown deer stalker hat and dark overcoat and of a shabby genteel appearance. What's a deer stalker hat? Um, a deer hat. A hat that deer stalkers hat made wear. Of deer? I don't think so. It's a deer stalker hat. I either. just picture like. It's a deer. What, what do you think a deer stalker hat is? Like Travis's hats. <laughs> I, Travis is a hunter, so I literally pictured Travis whenever yeah, you said cap. that. It's a dark-haired a guy wearing a deer stalker hat. <laughs> that made me picture your fiance. Well, that's great. <laughs> that's great. Travis the Ripper. Oh, man. <laughs> According to the eyewitness, the man had asked Chapman, will you? And she had replied, yes. Will so, you? Sex. <laughs> the thought is sex, Heather. <laughs> I love that she just did a hand motion. You know, pokey poke. <laughs> Elizabeth Stride and Catherine Edows were both killed in the early morning hours of Sunday, September 30th. Stride's body was discovered at approximately 1 a.m. in Dutfield's yard off Burner Street, which is now Henrik's Street in Whitechapel. The cause of death was a single clear-cut incision measuring six inches across her neck, which had severed her left carotid artery and her trachea before terminating beneath her right jaw. The absence of any further mutilations to her body was led to the uncertainty was led to uncertainty that either she was she was either killed by Jack the Ripper or he was interrupted. Oh, so the assumption is that he and these were really close, like these were the same day. So he killed this girl and was interrupted and then he goes and kills somebody else so he can actually do what he had intended on doing. uh, So are these people like I know it's in the same district, but are they like how close? Like, do they link any of them? Like a block. Oh, my God. Yeah, like a block. And this also could, like you said, nobody knows. So it could be somebody that was like, oh, they'll think somebody did it in there because that's the slums, quote unquote. So they could, some guy from that's unhinged from the outside world could come in to the area and do that shit. And they would just assume it was an immigrant or something. You know what I mean? With all the racism Um, and all the things. The assumption is what, like, it ends up going that they think that it was like wealthy people. That it was, like, someone who had money who was coming in and killing the prostitutes. Yeah. Now, there's a lot of, like, back alleys and places for these things to be done. And yeah. the stabbing and all of that happening whenever they're, like, I think he just was like, hey, can I pay you for sex? And they're like, sure, let's go over here and kill him in a back alley when no one's around yeah. in the early morning hours. How sad. All right, keep going. Several witnesses had informed police that they had seen Stride in the company of a man in or close to Burner Street on the evening of the 29th and in the early hours of September 30th, but each gave differing descriptions. Some said that our companion was fair, others said dark, some said that he was shabbily dressed, others said well-dressed. Edow's body was found in a corner of Mitre Square in the city of London three-quarters of an hour after the discovery of the body of Elizabeth Stride. Her throat was severed from ear to ear and her abdominum, abdominum, ab, abdomen. You're so pretty. It's long, long day, guys. Long day. Um, her abdomen. And then I, it's hard because then you feel like an idiot stumbling through a word and you laugh and then you have to finish a sentence and it sucks. Okay. Um, her abdomen was ripped open by a long, deep and jagged wound before her intestines had been placed over her right shoulder with a section of intestine being completely detached and placed between her body and her left arm. What the fuck? The left kidney and the major part of her uterus had been removed and her face had been disfigured with her nose severed, her cheek slashed and cuts measuring a quarter of an inch and a half an inch, respectively, vertically incised through each of her eyelids. This, okay. I a just, triangular oof. incision, the apex of which pointed towards Edow's eye, had also been carved upon each of her cheeks and a section of the oracle and lobe of her right ear was later recovered from her clothing. What? 
Like he had mutilated her and like cut off parts of her ears and they just found it in her clothes later. This is a... Uh... I dropped the thing I was playing with to make me feel like I wasn't saying horrible things. Okay. I don't remember any of this story. Like the more that you talk, I'm like, I don't, I, I don't remember any of this shit. Well. Here you are to rip that Band-Aid off. Always. Mm-hmm. The left kidney, did I already say that about her uterus? Yeah. And that yeah. her face was disfigured. Uh, yeah. The police, the police surgeon who conducted the postmortem upon upon her body stated that these mutilations would have taken about five minutes total. So five minutes to do all that. Yeah. Fuck. Look at this one. A local cigarette salesman named Joseph Laide had passed by a narrow walkway to Mitre Square named Church Passage with two friends shortly before the murder. He later described seeing a fair-haired man of medium build with a shabby appearance with a woman who may have been her. His companions were unable to confirm his description. The murders of Stride and Edows ultimately became known as the double event. Wow. A section of her bloodied apron was found at the entrance to a tenement in Golston Street, Whitechapel, at 2.55 a.m. A chalk inscription upon the wall directly above this piece of apron read, The Jews are the men that will not be blamed for nothing. What? I Basically, it was like graffiti like that was everywhere, but they were taking it that it could be a Jewish it could person. Mean yeah. something. It could have literally meant that he just dropped it, or that's what someone else wrote it, and that's yeah. where she he put her. Yeah, they have no idea if like it was just incidental that that was written there, and he dropped the apron there, and it has nothing to do with the case. Yeah. So who who knows? The extensively mutilated and disemboweled body of Mary Jane Kelly. This one is unbelievable. None of them have been. This one, I remembered the photo. And I don't know how I remember the photo, but God, do I remember the photo. It's the only photo I printed. So uh, you could be scarred as much as I am. Uh, Mary Jane Kelly was discovered lying on the bed in the single room where she lived at 13 Miller's Court off Dorset Street in Spitafields at 1045 a.m. on Friday, November 9th, 1988. Her face had been hacked beyond all recognition with her throat severed down to the spine and the abdomen almost emptied of its organs. Oh, my God. Her uterus, kidneys and one breast had been placed beneath her head with other viscera from her body placed beneath her foot about the bed and sections of her abdomen and thighs upon a bedside table. How is... Oh, my God. Her heart was missing Uh, from the crime scene. What? How is this person doing all of that and walking around, like walking away? Look at this, though. Her... There were multiple ashes that were found within the fireplace... At, like in her room, uh-huh. which suggests that her the murderer had burned several combustible items to illuminate the room so that he could mutilate her body. So he had thrown combustible items yeah. into it so he could see what he was doing. Oh, my God. But mm-hmm. I just like, how is he going around? Because, you know, he's covered in blood, like just walking down the street. Like I mean, wearing all black, middle of the night, wiping off your hands. Yeah, you're right. It's he not sp- just- it's not spraying at you. Yeah. Essentially, like, that's all I got. If, if you're sleeping, someone cuts your throat. What they do after that, I don't know. It's not like he had baby wipes. <laughs> Sorry. I hate to laugh. Why? All right. Let me see it. That's the rest of my notes. So you're going to have to. I'll hand it right back. Stare at you. That I, doesn't even look real. Like that. No, it doesn't. Looks. Okay. Thanks for that. You're welcome. Ugh. That's okay. like the saddest thing ever in the whole of all the worlds. Right? That's the saddest of all the worlds. And their world was already sad. Yeah. Each of the five murders were perpetrated at night on or close to a weekend, either at the end of a month or a week or so after. The mutilations became increasingly severe as the series of murders proceeded, except for that of Stride, whose attacker obviously had been interrupted. Nichols was not missing any organs. Chapman's uterus and sections of her bladder and vagina were taken. Edow's had her uterus and left kidney removed and her face mutilated. And Kelly's body was extensively eviscerated with her face gashed in all directions and the tissue of her neck being severed to the bone, although the heart was the sole body organ that was missing from the crime scene. Historically, the belief that these five murders were committed by the same perpetrator is derived from a ton of bullshit ass documents kind of that linked them together to the exclusion of others. I 
am going to not even go into how many people, like I literally wrote here, I will say this because most of it just bored me. <laughs> they don't know if it's three, five, or 11. Um, these are assumptions based on what doesn't seem like any fucking knowledge. There were other, Mary Jane Kelly is generally considered to be the last one of Ripper's final victims. And it's assumed that the crimes ended because of his death or he went to prison or he was institutionalized or he just left. You know, he wouldn't just stop. You don't do two in a day. You know what I mean? Like, that's too soon. He was too aggressive. You don't just become aggressive and then just fall off. I don't think so either. There's no way. Yeah. Not when you're that whacked out. There were other, there were the murders of Rose Milette, Alice McKenzie, and the Pension Street Torso, and Francis Coles. I'm going to guess there was a torso found that. So sad. That they believe it could have been. And these were really wild murders too, but due to the length of the podcast, I didn't go into it, but they're just as crazy. The vast majority of the City of London police files relating to this investigation were destroyed in the Blitz, which is that was a German bombing campaign against the UK during the Second World War because I had to look that up. You didn't just know that? Yeah, I probably should. God, Um, how embarrassing. Yeah, so basically all the files on it got blown up during... A bombing, yeah, essentially, and the rest of it is hearsay. A little bit. Now, the police did conduct house-to-house inquiries throughout Whitechapel. Forensic material was collected and examined. Um, suspects were identified, traced. I love that it says that forensic material was collected and examined. I was just thinking about what if they're like, "Yep, that's blood on this sheet." Like, that's, I think that would be it. That's all they can do. Yeah, what a, are they... a bloody, bloody glove. I don't. Yeah, I don't know. They also identified, traced, and, uh, or I'm sorry, the suspects were identified, traced, and either examined more closely or they were eliminated from the inquiry. Basically, they're like, dude, they did exactly what our modern modern police would do. More than 2,000 people were interviewed. Two th- that's yeah. a shit ton. Yeah. Upwards of 300 people were actually investigated and 80 people were arrested. 80? 80. I wonder how what the racial divide is on all that stuff. I wonder too, but the most it was a lot of famous people. Like, yeah, we're, yeah, it's pretty wild. So uh, after the uh, um, excuse me, the deaths of Stride and Edows, they officially did a five hundred euro whatever it was reward for the arrest of him. Essentially, it was. I'm not even going to go into this. But like, essentially, the investigation was conducted by the police department. But because some dude was on vacation, no bullshit. One of the fucking main cops was on vacation whenever two of the people were killed. So then they brought in a different investigator, and it's like, okay, who fucking cares? The overall direction of the murder inquiries was hampered by the fact that that newly appointed person was gone, and then they brought in a city commissioner. And they gave this other dude and all these other, who cares? So they just convoluted everything. Yeah. Basically. Yeah. I wonder how long his holiday was. Well, considering all this happened within like two months. Right. And it's not like he can just hop on a plane. Right. (laughs) Butchers, slaughterers, surgeons, and physicians were suspected because of the manner of the mutilations. A surviving note from Major Henry Smith, acting commissioner of the city police, indicates that the alibis of local butchers and slaughterers were investigated and the result that they were eliminated from the inquiry. There was another report that confirmed that 76 butchers and slaughterers were visited and that, once again, all of the employees there had been looked into for the previous six months. They looked at people who worked at like worked at or close to the London dockyards. Mm-hmm. trying to see if somebody came over on a boat and they were working on that. And that's how they kept coming in and doing the fucking bullshit. I mean, it sounds like they did a pretty bang up job. I'm assuming for back then they have a lot of like, they, they had a lot of like newspaper cartoons made making fun of the cops, but I really just think they were in over their head. I mean, what they didn't have any cops policing the street. Like I didn't see anything about, like cops policing the street then. Yeah. Like it was more like reactive, not proactive. Oh, yeah. But they did come up with the Whitechapel Vigilance Committee in September. Uh-huh. The police or the people? 
the people. A group of volunteer citizens that were in the London's East End formed that committee, and they patrolled the, the streets looking for suspicious characters, partially because of how mad they were at the cops not being able to apprehend the perpetrator, and also because some members were concerned that the murders were affecting business in the area. Uh, you think? Yeah, but what fucking business are all being murdered at one thirty to 4.30 right? a.m.? Y'all, doors I mean, be closed, right? It's a dick business. I mean, my God. No, I'm just saying. <laughs> I mean, what else is going on? At, nothing no, good. Right. My grandma always tells me nothing good ever happens after midnight. I mean, and they talk about it, too. Like, in one of these, the, they are trying to raise money. And, and yeah. that's where you're thinking. If we're raising money for the reward in a really, really impoverished area, they're going to find the person. They had it up to 86,000 euros. That's in a 20, shit ton. Like, that was the equivalent. was 86,000 euros in 2021. That's a shit ton. Which is over $86,000 because of our... So it's like... But not by, like, a crazy amount. But, like, yeah. 90 grand. Like, fuck. It's a lot. Yeah. Especially in, like... Like you said, in an impoverished neighborhood. Jeez. Uh, At the end of October, they asked Robert Anderson, asked the police surgeon Thomas Bond to give his opinion on the extent of the murder's surgical skill and knowledge. The opinion offered by Bond on the character of the Whitechapel murder is the earliest surviving offender profile. Wow. It is the very first time that they profiled an individual. That's not. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. Bond's assessment was based on his own examination of the most extensively mutilated victim and the postmortem notes from the four previous murders. He wrote, all five murders, no doubt, were committed by the same hand. In the first four, the throats appear to have been cut from left to right. In the last case, owing to the extensive mutilation, it is impossible to say in that in what direction the fatal cut was made. But arterial blood was found on the wall and splashes close to where the woman's head must have been lying. All the circumstances surrounding the murders lead me to form the opinion that the woman must have been lying down, that the women must have been lying down when murdered. And in every case, the throat was cut first. Yeah. And deep as shit, too. Yeah. He deeply opposed the idea that the fucking killer had any scientific or um, anatomical knowledge. Did I say right? You sure did. Go on me, man. They said, or even the technical knowledge of a butcher or horse slaughter. He's like, in his opinion, the killer must have been a man of solitary habits subject to periodical attacks of homicidal and erotic mania with the character of the mutilations possibly indicating sadiaresis, which is basically a nymphomaniac. I had to Google that word. Basically, they're a nympho. Bond also stated that the homicidal impulse may have developed from a revengeful or brooding condition of the mind or that religious mania had made had been the original disease, but I don't think either hypothesis is likely. Right. So I don't know. I mean, somebody's mad at women or sex workers or their mom or I don't know because he didn't rape any of them. There's yeah, no but he evidence cut of them in the only not uh, not all of them though. Pikachu. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, he only did it to some, and I think that's where they were saying it was like, huh, became more erotic for him. Well, yeah, I don't know. Sis. I don't either. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. And honestly, ma'am, they don't know. I don't think anybody knows. How are they going to know? <laughs> how are they going to know? How are they going to know? This is not so. I know. They also believe that he lived locally because he was killing around the weekends and around public holidays without a short distance of each other or within a short distance of each other. So they're like, homeboy definitely lived over there. Others, though... Because there's a this or that. Others gathered that the killer was an educated upper class man, possibly a doctor or an aristocrat who ventured into Whitechapel from a more well-to-do area. Such theories draw on cultural perceptions, such as the fear of the medical profession. They were scared of doctors back then. A oh, mistrust yeah. of modern science or the exploitation of the poor by the rich. The, tem- the term ripperology was coined to describe the study and analysis of the Ripper case in an effort to determine his identity and the murders have inspired tons of works of fiction, which we both know. Suspects (laughs) proposed years after the murders include virtually anyone remotely connected to the case by any fucking contemptuous fucking document. Yeah. As well as many famous names. Okay. Prince Albert Victor. Oh. Artist Walter Sickert. And author Lewis Carroll. Oh. Everyone alive at the time is now long dead. And all of these fucking authors were free to use anyone's name without any need to support any historical evidence. So they can just be like, I think they did it. Look at this shit. There's this dude who uh, 
What did he do? I don't know where it's at, and I'll, I'll come across it. But Homeboy made like leather aprons, and they called him Leather Apron. Yeah, and that was one of the mer- and he was arrested because <laughs> of his nickname. Oh my god! Or straight up, it was just his nickname his because name. of his job. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> my God, Leather Apron. He needs a better nickname. I know. What a, what a lame nickname. He probably just gave it to himself. He was like, this will be a good marketing. And I'm like, let me look through because we're about to go through the letters that were written. This is a really good marketing tactic. Right? It's and just then, what I do. You know what would make me seem more badass? Call me Leather Apron. Who was it? Oh, yeah. He made footwear from leather. <laughs> and he was known as Leather Apron. <laughs> and he was arrested. And they had no evidence whatsoever against him. And he was released because, duh, he had a fucking alibi. Anyway. Well, they so had to check everybody, I guess. There or... were four letters. Okay. I mean, might as well arrest everybody and see if somebody else is murdered in the time. I don't fucking know. <laughs> so here they are. The okay. four letters from J-Rip. All right. All right. So. Wait, they thought these were the real ones. These are the real ones. I didn't. I didn't. I don't have time to talk about the ones that they don't think were real. Uh, the... September 27th, 1888. Went to the Central News Agency. Three days later, the double murder of Stride and Edows made them reconsider if this one was true. Especially because of the earlobe that was found that was cut off by the body. Uh-huh. It's talked about in this letter. So three days after this letter, there was the double murder. Written, and I'm just reading it the way shit, shit happens. Here, All okay? right. Dear boss. I was going to write that to Tracy tomorrow. Dear boss. <laughs> I keep on hearing the police have caught me, but they won't fix me just yet. I've laughed when they look so clever and talk about being on the right track. That joke about leather apron gave me real fits. I am down on whores and I shan't quit ripping them till I do get buckled. Grand work the last job was. I gave the lady no time to squeal. How can they catch me now? I love my work and want to start again. You will soon hear for hear of me with my funny little games. I saved some of the proper red stuff in a ginger beer bottle over the last job to write with, but it went thick like glue and I can't use it. Red ink is fit enough, I hope. Ha ha. The next job I do, I shall clip the lady's ear off and send to the police officers just for jolly, wouldn't you? Keep this letter back till I do a little, do a bit more work, then give it out straight. My knife's so nice and sharp, I want to get to work right away if I get a chance. Good luck. Yours truly, Jack the Ripper. Don't mind me giving the trade name. P.S. Wasn't good enough to post this before I got all the red ink off my hands. Curse it. No luck yet. They say I'm a doctor now. Ha ha. What? Okay, first of all, wow. Mm -hmm. He LOL'd before LOL wasn't LOL. He ha-ha twice. And he literally wrote ha-ha. He spaced it out. Yes. Wow. Mm-hmm. I didn't know that there were letters. I know. And it's and you read that very gracefully. Thank you. Because there, I would have tripped up. <laughs> <laughs> the next letter was received on October 1st, 88, at the Central News Agency. The handwriting is similar to that of the Dear Boss letter and makes direct reference to both this letter and the murders of the previous night. Those who believe it to be genuine argued that the removal of Edow's ear, it was not taken away nor mailed to the police, like he mentioned, that he was going to do. Yeah. And the fact that the postcard mentions the double event before it was described by the press both testify its authenticity. Right. Others believe a hoaxer could have gleaned details of both and try to do it, but whack off. I don't care. It's a postcard. <laughs> and it says... I was not codding, dear old boss, when I gave you the tip. You'll hear about Saucy Jackie's work tomorrow, double event this time. Number one squealed a bit, couldn't finish straight off. Had not time to get ears off for police. Thanks for keeping last letter back till I got to work again. Jack the Ripper. The fuck? On on October 16th, George Lusk, the president of the Whitechapel Vigilance Committee, received a three-inch square cardboard box in his mail. Inside was half a human kidney preserved in wine along with the following letter. Medical reports carried out by Dr. Openshaw found the kidney to be very similar to the one removed from Catherine Edow's. Though his findings were inconclusive either way, the letter reads as as follows. From hell, Mr. Lusk. Sore. I send you half the kidney I took from one woman, presarved it. it the spelling is fucked up. Yeah. Presarved it for you. Tother piece I fried and ate it was very nice. <gasps> I may send you the bloody knife that took it out of you. 
took it out if you only wait a while longer. Signed, catch me if you can, Mr. Lusk. Literally spelled Mr. Lusk. What? So he put uh, kidney he sent a fucking, in the wine. Mm-hmm. The only way I'd eat a kidney. I mean. <laughs> he tried to preserve it, and I what guess that's the... what he thought was the way to preserve it. Okay. All right. God damn it. The, ne- the next and the last one. All right. Dated September 17th, 88. This letter was only recently discovered by Peter McClelland in a sealed report envelope in the British Public Record Office in 1988. Oh. Its authenticity is hotly debated, many believing it to be a recent hoax. They're saying that someone was able to, like, put it into the the sealed records. Oh. Yeah. So who fucking knows? Who? No. Apparently no one knows anything. Right? No, No one. No one. No one. I don't. I I can tell you guys, I don't know who Jack the Ripper is. I do. I'm just not going to (laughs) tell. Tee-hee. Nah. Ha. Ha. Oh, my God. (laughs) Okay, stop. Okay. Okay. Dear boss, I just... If you don't address me like that moving forward, I quit. Every time. Dear boss, so now they say I am a yid. When, When will they learn, dear old boss... You and me know the truth, don't we? Lusk can look forever. He'll never find me, but I am right under his nose all the time. I watch them looking for me, and it gives me fits. Ha ha. I love my work, and I shan't stop until I get buckled. And even then, watch out for your old pal Jackie. Catch me if you can. Jack the Ripper. Sorry about the blood. Still messy from the last one. What a pretty necklace I gave her. Oh, what an asshole. Yeah. So cocky. This stupid. I mean, he literally lived in infamy, so. Like big dick energy in his fucking letters. Right. Jerk face. There were other ones in between that that I said, but it looked like no one really believed that they were true. And they printed these in the newspaper? Like the. I don't know. I was just curious if they saw it and then some asshole was like, oh, I could write a better one than that. I don't know. I don't know. But this. What's the title of this? We don't know. We don't (laughs) I don't know. Nobody's going to know. Nobody's going to I keep hitting my fucking glasses on them. <laughs> Jeez. Okay. So the Ripper murders mark an important watershed in the treatment of crime by journalists. So Jack the Ripper was not the first serial killer, but his case was the first to create a worldwide media frenzy. I fucking bet. It was the Elementary Education Act of 1880 that made school attendance required regardless of class. As such, by 1888, more working class people in England and Wales were literate. Tax reforms in the 1850s had enabled the publication of inexpensive newspapers to a wider circulation. And because of that, it created that mass circulation of the newspapers and they cost only half a penny. So essentially, they were selling over one million copies of newspapers a day. And then plaster this shit on the front of it. Yes. Extra, extra. It was 100% um, sensationalistic and speculative, and false information was regularly printed as fact. In addition, several of the articles speculating as to the identity of Ripper alluded to um, crazy-ass fucking rumors that the person was Jewish or foreign. In early September, six days after the murder of Marianne Nichols, the Manchester Guardian reported, whatever information may be in the possession of the police, they deem it necessary to keep secret. It is believed their attention is particularly directed to a notorious character known as the as Leather Apron. Journalists were frustrated by the unwillingness of the police, and so they basically just wrote whatever the fuck they wanted, and that's pretty much what kept happening. Oh, God. After the letters, the name obviously stuck. You think? Yeah. But did you know that the name Jack was already used to describe another fabled London attacker? Huh. Yeah. So there was a guy called Springheel Jack. I think I've heard of Bef- that one. Yeah. Who supposedly he leapt over walls yes. to strike at his victims and escape as quickly as he came. Because mm-hmm. they were saying they, did, they thought he was like from out of this world. No one could figure out how the fuck he got up those big walls and shit. They also believe that this was like the invention and the adoption of a nickname for serial killers. I mean, like Jack the Ripper became the first the first step in the standard media practice of providing a nickname to a murder. That's interesting. Yeah. I'm glad they didn't go with leather apron. They picked a good one. <laughs> well, he he picked it. Oh, that's true. But at least they stuck and with no it. No one that they looked at was their name Jack that I saw. 
I mean, I'm sure out of 80 fucking people who arrested and 2,000 people interviewed, their names are Jack, but obviously they weren't going to. They're all, yeah. The nature of the Ripper murders and the impoverished lifestyle of the victims drew attention to the poor living conditions in the East End, and it ended up essentially fucking changing the whole area. In the two decades after the murders, the worst of the slums were cleared and demolished, but the streets and some of the buildings survived, and the legend of the Ripper is still promoted by various guided tours of the murder sites and other locations pertaining to the case. For many years, the Ten Bells public house in Commercial Street, which had been frequented by at least one of the the Ripper five victims, was the focus of those tours. In the immediate aftermath of the murders and later, Jack the Ripper became the children's boogeyman. And they had tons of different, like, characteristics of, of I'm trying to, like, artistic drivings of what the fuck the guy was Mm -hmm. in the 1920s and 30s he was depicted in film dressed in everyday clothes as a man with a hidden secret preying on his unsuspecting victims atmosphere and evil were suggested through lighting and effects and shadow play by the 1960s though jack had become the symbol of a predatory aristocracy and was more often portrayed in a top cat in a top hat that in a top cat (laughs) <laughs> There's a cat on his head. Uh, and it was at the top. <laughs> uh, portrayed in a top hat dressed as a gentleman. The establishment as a whole became the villain with the with oh. the Ripper acting as a manifestation of upper class exploitation. It's just like how, I mean, they do that with everything. They scare, scare yeah. tactics with kids and they just kind of portray it to where they, how... However they want it to be, depending on the time frame. The image of Jack the Ripper essentially merged with borrowed symbols from different horror stories. So they take Dracula's cloak or Frankenstein's organ harvesting. The fictional world of the Ripper confused with multiple different genres going from Japanese erotic horror and fucking Sherlock Holmes. Yeah. Which also is Japanese erotic horse fucking disgusting. We know that because of our little sushi guy. Uh. Um, The diary, there is supposedly... Jack the Ripper had a diary and that they found it, which they didn't. It was also a hoax. But the term Ripperology was coined by Colin Wilson in the 1970s to describe the study of him, which is so fucking crazy. The periodicals Ripperana, Ripperologist and Ripper Notes are published all throughout research. Wow. In 2006, a BBC history magazine poll selected Jack the Ripper as the worst Britain in history. I mean, he sounds pretty shitty. You're not lying. So... In 2015, Jack the Ripper Museum opened in East London, and people were pissed about it. So even the neighbor, the the what did I just say? The neighbor, the neighbor, the mayor. Oh, the mayor was upset about it, and people were trying to boycott it. Yeah. So, what are your thoughts on like a museum for a serial killer? I mean, I've been to the True Crime Museum with them. I feel like his victims get lost because one, they don't know who they all were. Like, because, you know, how we try to talk about the victims as much as possible, but they don't know who the fuck this guy was, where they don't know anything. So, I So, it's almost, it it almost is more okay. I mean. I mean, we don't want anyone to hate mail us, but like, you're like, we don't know who it was. It was back in the 1800s. It was a long, it was a long time ago. ago. It was a part of history. And there's a lot of other museums for like wars and things where other people died and stuff. So, I mean, and it actually, silver, I mean, silver lining, they made change yeah like out of it so i don't know i don't think i'd be angry it's just kind of like it is with everything else in the world i'm so desensitized because everybody being pissed off all the time i'm like well if you don't like it just don't go yeah like don't don't be mad like <laughs> yeah i'm not gonna go see a ted nugent concert but he can come to town if someone yeah. else wants to go enjoy it you feel free yeah not my cup of vodka i hear you mm-hmm. how about you um, what do you think i i think i think it's history yeah it's different if, oh gosh, I don't want somebody to. This is me. just our personal opinion. Yeah, and, it's it's you know. it's a museum about history. If if you ask me, I think it's a historical piece of yeah. information. It's not like it's a shrine to him. Yeah, it's they don't even know who he is. Mm-hmm. He's a he's a boogeyman. Yeah, and it, it, I mean you're right. It's just talking about the tale, and hopefully there's like a section to. Talk about his victims. Or I think ones. most of it's probably. Sent. I I don't know. I haven't yeah, we, I mean, I know. Again, the only thing know. they know are the victims. Yeah, they don't know the culprit. But they it could be three, five, or eleven. Yeah, so. which I mean, that has to include all of them. Yeah, we're just gonna assume. Yes. Yes. But at the end of the day, 
I guess that's my exciting story about London's Jack the Ripper. Damn. Yeah, I forgot all about that. And while you were talking, I was like, I'm pretty sure I've been on that tour when I was in London. I hadn't gone. Like, I, I've been to London, too, but I did not do that. And I'm, I really wish I would have. And I was 16, so I don't remember any of it. Like, so I didn't really appreciate what you were what I was doing at the time. I totally get that. Yeah. Well, well great job, Becky. Welcome back. We took a two-week break almost. That was a, recording. Yeah, that was a big old long one. I've been wanting to do J-Rip for a grip. I love that you call it J-Rip. Like, it's J-Lo's cousin who's trying right. to ride on her coattails. It's like, j- just put the sing, just get the single. Just give him the single. Yeah. Yeah. So you ready for my story? Yeah. <laughs> I'm just kidding. The look she gave me was like, look Dude, at the time. I need like, like hot tea. My throat is like tired. I knew this was going to be like meaty, but fuck. Because, because so it, much happened yeah. to it and because it's historically so important, there's like so much to say as to why. Yeah. Why the East End of London had gotten so bad, what happened in it and how it got better and why was the the mania so big because of people just not being able to be fucking literate and newspapers being what it was and the mm-hmm. speculation from the media and the assumptions on racism and the assumptions on who it was and how they could never find the person. And I'm sure the fucking dude left or not left. I'm sorry. He probably died. We caught something and died because everyone was dying. I hope it hurt. I hope it did, too. I hope it hurt real bad. That was that was great. You did a Thanks. great job. The story was terrible, but you did a great job on <laughs> Thanks, telling it. I appreciate that. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm excited for once I printed this and was like, it's 20 pages, sis. I'm going to have to go solo. So I'm excited for your story. Um, I might switch it up. Um, I was like, I might try to pull a shorter story out of my ass, but we'll figure it out. Yeah. At the end of the day, we love you guys so much. Well, yes. Yeah, Right at the end of this, I accidentally pressed buttons and fucked it up, and it terrified me. Now so, we're, we're rolling again? Apparently we are. Wait. So we're just going to say bye. We're just going to say bye. Follow us on all the things. A couple of assholes. Search for us. TikTok, Facebook, et cetera, et Like, cetera. listen, rate, subscribe. Tell your mamas. Yes. Love you. Bye. Love you. Bye. Theodore, can I put that down?